From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair Podcast. And before we get into anything, I'll tell you guys about an amazing contest that I'm one of the judges of, and that is the Remy Martin Bartender Talent Academy Cocktail Competition. So this year, VinePair is partnering with Remy Martin to challenge bartenders to create their own spin on the classic sidecar. We all know the sidecar. It's a great cocktail, great cognac cocktail. Maybe you listen to, you know, Cocktail College. You've learned something about the sidecar. We want to see what your spin is, right? So here's what you're going to do. You are going to enter this competition by this coming Friday. That's right. That's when the deadline is. And then you're going to send us your recipe for this sidecar riff, photo of that sidecar. And if you're selected as one of the five finalists, you're going to be flown to New York City for the U.S. championships. They're going to be held here in New York with a hundred or so of your peers. You're going, to per- you're going to perform live in front of a panel of judges, including myself, pretty famous bartender or two, and of course, Remy Martin. And then if you win, you are going to be flown to France where you're going to be the U.S. competitor who competes for the championship and for U.S. honor. That's right. <laughs> Go blue or whatever. Red, white, and blue. All all the colors. You guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> Anyways, these colors don't run. So that is what's going to happen. I need you to enter right now. So here's how you're going to enter. You're going to go to vinepair.com slash Remy dash Martin dash BTA dash cocktail dash competition dash 2022. Or just listen to the show notes. That way you can also read that awesome joke I just made about the colors running. Anyways, enter the competition today. Can't wait to see and taste all these amazing cocktails. And with that, Joanna, what have you been drinking recently? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Okay. How, how can you follow that, Joanna? We might need to just end the episode there. I know, right? Um, <laughs> what have I been drinking lately? Okay, so went to our local. I just have to say, I feel like these, we definitely are going to beat the shit out of the French bartender. Like oh, whoever yeah? wins, yeah, for sure. And what about the Italian one? For sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Americans just got a leg up. You know what I'm saying? Cocktail culture. Anyways, continue. <laughs> what, 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 what have you been drinking, Joanna? Oh my goodness. Um, okay. Went to our local Gold Star beer counter uh, recently and picked up a few bottles of Suarez Family Brewery beer, which I've never had before. So I was very excited about that. They had them in stock, which is rare, and um, got two two beers uh, specifically. One called Triangular Nature, which is a buckwheat country beer. What the amazing. hell does that even mean, buckwheat country beer? What is a country beer? I don't know. <laughs> That's like, a beer you drink in the country. I feel like brewers just make it all up at this point. Of <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, here's, here's my thing. This is a this is a porch beer. Like, cool. They could all be porch beers. Yeah. Well, not all of them are porch beers. <laughs> anyway, this one was very good. Uh, very citrusy okay. with some honey sweetness. And then we also got another one called Crescent, uh, which is a Saison brewed with raw emmer wheat, um, which was very light and with a little spice and some bitterness. So that was my uh, drinking highlight from this week. Nice. What about you, Zach? 
I am in fresh hop season, full on. It's right. been freaking awesome. So they've been rolling out over You're the last- You're just drowning in fresh hops out there. <laughs> I, I am. I am fully submerged, just like the hops. Um, so uh, three that I had in the last little while, uh, the Field to Ferment from Fremont Brewing, which I believe you guys have tried before. I think we had that sent to you yes. last year. I think you were you you helped get you it to us. I yeah. sure did. Yeah. Uh, and then the Fresh Hop Hazelicious from Rubens Brews and the Hop Aquatic, which is uh, from uh, Cloudburst, uh, three of the you know better breweries in the in the city, all delicious. There's just folks I've said it before, I'll say it again. Nothing quite like Fresh Hop season out here in the Pacific Northwest um, to try and put to words what is in some sense you know just a thing you must experience. the The appeal of the Fresh Hop is that like since the hops don't get dried, they don't go through any kind of processing really. And they just go as the uh, cloudburst uh, beer describes it, you know, they're wet hops. So they go straight into the beer from basically being picked. What you get is actually a surprisingly delicate flavor. I think because they're not going through the drying process, they're not going through the cryo preserving process that some hops go through. The flavors are a little subtler. um, And it's what's cool is you're seeing more and more people make uh, fresh hop beers that are not, just IPAs. I mean, most of the fresh hop beers we're seeing are IPAs, understandably. That's uh, the beer that's going to call for a lot of hops in the first place. But um, Ruben's actually doing uh, like a fresh hop, um, basically like a almost like a lager, uh, which I think is a really interesting way to kind of mm. look at the hops through a different lens because you're not getting the same uh, hop load or the same hop kind of, I guess, like kind of weight, um, even though they use a, a similar quantity. So, um, yeah, no, it's really good, and uh, I've been really enjoying it, and thankfully, there'll be a few more weeks of that, so get used to me talking about fresh hot beers. How about you, Adam? So, uh, I've had a few delicious things recently. I was I got to be out in California recently for work, and went to this pretty amazing dinner with Keith and a few other people at Vine Pear, where we had some really special wines, including some Merceau, uh, you know, we had a really amazing champagne from Michel Gonnet. We had uh, a Volnay. So just some really cool wines. And then I also had the most expensive vodka martini I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and it still did not convince me that I will ever like vodka martinis. But oh, tell us about it. So Tim th- asked me to get a drink after work uh, earlier this week. And so we went to Veronica. Uh-huh. And we had the $36 or whatever, like vodka martini that comes with with the caviar. And it was good. I just like, I just, I, it's, it's not it for me, you know? Yeah. It's just not it for me. It needs to be gin. Mm -hmm. Like it needs to be gin. And I had a much better martini. I feel like in Carmel by the sea at this place called Bud's, (laughs) which was this old school bar inside La Playa hotel. That was really awesome. Like a cocktail bar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like old school bar. Like they still have, they have the lockers where you can have your own liquor bottles. Oh, amazing. You know, and just a really classic martini. And it was absolutely delicious. I just, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to be on the vodka martini train. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Just not for me. But you tried it. I tried it. What is for me though? I do like the thing is I liked the I liked the pomp and circumstance around the cocktail. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're going to talk about today is the pomp and circumstance around cocktails. Mm-hmm. Yes, and specifically table side cocktail service. Right. So that's become a whole new thing. I think you know it's existed. It for always a while. has. Mm-hmm. But 
we're seeing a resurgence of it in the same way we're seeing the resurgence of chop houses and, you know, this massive interest again in champagne and caviar and again, roaring 20s type shit. And so there's a lot of places that are now offering an expensive but special table side cocktail service where they will actually come to you and make the cocktail. You know, Maison Premier does table side cocktail service. That's, that's the one that I think about the most. But there's lots of different places that do it. Um, and so I thought I w- we would use sort of articles written about it recently to kick off this conversation. But have you both ever had table side cocktail service before? And what have your experiences been if you have? I have not. But I would love I would love to yeah. because I think it would be really fun. And I think I love I love watching people make cocktails and I love cocktails in general. Um, so I think that, you know, that part, like that theater kind of involved in it um, would be really exciting to me. But I could see how it wouldn't be to some people. Yeah. So I've had tableside cocktail service in a few different formats over the years. Um, one of the first places okay. I really experienced it was a place in Portland, Oregon called the Multnomah Whiskey Library. And there... It's a really interesting space. I don't know if either of you have ever been there, uh, but for our West Coast listeners uh, who may have, it's, I mean, library is kind of the right like way to describe the vibe other than like a very dark library. Like it's quiet. It's, there's like high shelves that go up, you know, to the ceiling. Like the, it was one of the first places I saw what I, I've now seen in a few other bars, which is like kind of like the library-esque like sliding shelves with like a mm-hmm. ladder that a bartender climbs to get to like, you know, the the special bottles or whatever. And the table side service was actually like a big part of what they did. It was like, if you sat in certain parts of the space, you didn't really like have a, you, the server like came over with a bar cart and essentially made your drinks kind of no matter what you ordered with maybe a few exceptions. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of cool. It is a little, you know, it's like one of those things where in the right space, and I guess that's probably the right kind of space. Cause you don't go in there sort of being like, I'm just going to come in and have a beer. Uh, I mean, people probably do, but you know, it's not really that kind of vibe. It, it works, but it's also you kind of are like, there's something nice to, to me sometimes about not feeling like I'm being, you know, like you, there's a weird way in which as the guest, you kind of then become part of the show uh, in a way that I don't always love. Um, you have to kind of like pay attention to the person making your drink and like, ooh and ah at the right moments. I mean, I've never done mm-hmm. the like Benihana style dining which maybe both of you have done before Mm. and i feel like there's maybe that same kind of thing right where you're like you because the the person cooking your food is performing for you you as the like diner have to be like on point the whole time and i kind of like being able to like order my drink and then like talk to my friends and then like the drink shows up two minutes later like great that's my drink cool i'm gonna drink it i don't really have to like carefully observe the process or feel like a jerk if i like don't want to stop my conversation to like watch you make my you know manhattan or whatever well, I, I I mean, I feel like I don't want every drink made <laughs> table side, you know, but like for some some special occasions or to just if there's a special drink that is made table side, I think that's kind of interesting. I think it has to be. So I think that table if for table side cocktail service to work really well, I think it has to be like one of the classic cocktails mm. because I think what makes like the, the table side Caesar or steak tartare or whatever cool is it is one of these classic dishes we think about that fe- that has somewhat pomp and circumstance around them. But like you could make a Caesar salad at home if you wanted to. Yeah. And it's not super involved. Like personally, I don't really need to have like table side margarita service. Like, <laughs> I don't need them to be juicing the limes and then like, you know, the, 
But I think pulling up with a bar cart and having a really beautiful martini service or, you know, there's something that feels very classy about that. I feel like, I don't know, I think like something like Bananas Foster or something that gets flambéed or something like that. Like there is value in, in doing that table side. And I feel like that could work with something with a drink like a a Ramos gin fizz yes. or a Pisco sour or something where there's bartender. like actually <laughs> something to, yeah. right. Yeah. But there's actually something to the drink where it's cool to watch it being prepared. But I feel like something very commonplace that doesn't require a lot of step, you know, steps. So you, or, you don't need to see like a table side old fashioned service. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. Yeah. See, to me, I'm actually, I, I'm actually with Joanna in that, like, I think you need the performative aspect of it. And, and the other place I was going to mention right. before, also in Portland is a place called Huber's Cafe, which is famous for their table side Spanish coffee uh, presentation, which exactly. is like the yeah. perfect drink for that because it is a performance and you order that drink expecting the performance. It's <laughs> the reason people like it for the most part. I mean, it tastes good, but like you're watching your bartender light shit on fire and like throw yeah. cinnamon into the drink and stuff like it's really cool. And so that's perfect to me, but I actually, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't really need to see someone stir down a martini in front of me. Like, what the fuck? I don't care. <laughs> oh, no, like, you can make that. You can get that flair there. I mean, you, you can get that flair there. You can, especially- but I think there needs, there needs to be some kind of element that is dramatic, whether it's lighting something yeah, on fire. on set on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Or set on fire. Well, I mean, I mean it. Like, that's that's the kind of shit that, like, will yeah. captivate people, right? I, again, watching yeah. a bartender stir a martini or whatever is just, like, to me personally – pretty like okay cool great i don't need to see this like you know i think adam i remember you talking about um what's the bar that is it the, uh, it's called the Hawksmore, right or something that where they they yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. super super cold and they just like pour it like there's no there's no yeah, stirring yeah. it it that, just comes out of a super cold glass i'm like okay great i don't need to see the 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 way a very straightforward cocktail is made but something where there is an element of the presentation or the or the assembly of right. the drink and maybe it is something like a a egg white cocktail where you're watching them crack the egg and shake it like that's to me where the table side element of it is uh compelling in the same way that like for me table side food service where they're like you don't see this very often but like someone is like you know de- like filleting your fish or like deboning a duck or something like that stuff is because you're watching someone do something more elaborate than just mix ingredients together it is kind of cool or yeah the steak tartare example whatever and that to me needs it needs to be a cocktail that is both you know, dramatic in its performance. And also, and I think this is a key part of it, that you're only probably ever going to order one of. What yeah. about if someone just like shows up at your table with a blender? Let's go. <laughs> well, like, table side pina coladas. Let's go. There is. So in, the, in a recent article that we published, there is like a bar cart that goes around. I can't remember, Zach, is it at Gun Show in Atlanta? But one of the pl- spots um, referenced in the piece does has like have a little like. Blender? Yeah, like a little magic bullet on the bar card. So good. I mean, look, with the martini, the only place I can think of is, uh, you know, Savoy in London where they actually, they throw the, they throw the vermouth on the floor. Okay. Right? So it's like, they're showing you that it like kissed the glass and then they make a big show. I mean, the floor's got to be a mess at the end of the night. But, but I mean, I think that's, those are the times when it can work, right? Mm-hmm. With some of these classics where they're showing, you know, they're doing something to add flair to the classic. Like a smoked drink. And it often can work. It, it can be very showy. It's just the crystal's really beautiful. And, like, people like to take pictures of it. Mm-hmm. The stirring is really elaborate. Maybe it's a huge cube that goes in. You know, mm-hmm. those types of things, I think, also do work. But I, I would agree that, obviously, drinks that also come out looking very dramatic have an appeal to them. Although, you could argue that besides the fire, Bananas Foster is pretty 
basic when it's done, right? Oh, yeah. It's just some it's your caramelized bananas. bananas. <laughs> yeah. uh, delicious mm-hmm. over some vanilla ice cream. But like, I think you can play with it, you know, however you want. And I, what's really interesting is having judged cocktail competitions, bringing it back to the Martin cocktail competition, yes, yes. Uh, which you should all enter. You know, when bartenders do compete for these cocktail competitions, you basically are creating a table side version because you're having this one-on-one interaction with the judges. And usually there are like little gifts that you're giving them or, you know, things they're opening or playing around with while you're making the drink and telling them a story. And that's basically all table side cocktail service yeah. is, right? Is it's a story about the drink and there's maybe a, spe- you know, a special wow factor, whether it is that box that you open and there's a chocolate inside of it and they tell you to pair with the cocktail or, you know, you open a, a ribbon and read a poem that goes along with the cocktail. Like those types types of things are, I think, what makes table-side cocktail service so special mm-hmm. and feels much more intimate. Because even when you're sitting at the bar, watching a bartender make the drinks at a high-quality bar, they're still very, you know, they're not interacting with you. They're yeah. very focused on getting those drinks out to all the different, you know, customers, whether it's the tickets coming in to get out to the tables in, you know, outside of the actual bar or to the people who are sitting at the bar. And I feel like those are the things that are, um, you know, totally different about table side cocktail service. You get that one on one interaction where they really are focusing on you. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I do think there is something very compelling about bartenders just shaking up drinks yes. right at the bar like that. You can stare and, and watch them forever for me, kind of similar to like being at a sushi bar. Yes. And watching yeah. that craft. Um, but I do think that individual attention that you're getting in table side service um, makes it extra special. Totally. And I think there's also a kind of correlation to like almost like bottle service in a club, right? Like you become a little bit at the center of attention for the whole bar when they wheel the cart over, yeah. like you or your table or whatever. And people like that. I mean, some people like that. Not everyone does, obviously. I also think that there's a piece of this where it's like you are getting people, if you're the bar, right, you might be able to you know, frankly, charge a premium for a drink that, you know, you might not be able to charge for, but it's table side and maybe, yeah, it comes with a little something additional or, you know, they're, you're getting a little flight of something or whatever. Like there are ways Mm -hmm. that you can sort of get someone okay with paying $24 for what should be a $16 cocktail because it comes with these bells and whistles. And that's not a bad thing. I think Adam, you and I talked about er early on in the pandemic about like what we might see when places did reopen. And I think we both talked a lot about how we would expect to see bars in particular really kind of look to put on more of a show because they had to give people a compelling reason to come in. And, you know, now maybe it's not so much about getting people over the hurdle of, you know, being afraid of COVID, um, you know, maybe for some people, but I think a lot of people have kind of decided where they feel, how they feel about that already. But it is still about giving people a compelling reason to come in, sit down, spend, you know, a fair amount of money on a drink or two drinks or whatever. And if the performative aspect is a big part of that, um, that makes a ton of sense to me. It's, It's a way to convince people that they're getting their money's worth. Yep. Well, I'd love to hear what everyone here thinks about tableside cocktail service. Have you been somewhere and had a really special experience? What cocktails do you think fit best with tableside service? (laughs) Uh, And are you willing to pay more? Because often, I think one of the things we didn't mention, which probably goes without saying, but just worth being aware of, is that often tableside service is much more expensive, right? Like the tableside service for the martinis at Maison Premier Center are more expensive. But they're also using using like – Premium, premium ingredients. Premium, yeah, yes, ingredients. totally. So it's like it's usually top shelf spirits and things like that. But are you willing to pay for it? Do you think you know? 
does it are, do you find it attractive if you saw it on a menu would you be like oh we should consider the table side service is it worth it exactly mm-hmm. so let us know what you think and uh, shoot us an email at podcast at vinepair.com read all of them all of them <laughs> and with that I'll see you both Friday have a great week sounds great thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair podcast the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair podcast network if you love listening to this show or even if you don't but I really hope that you do as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So, the Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Chabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered, and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.